All right, welcome to uh, session two of Tribune Talk. I'm Zach Steele along with Scott Buttram, and uh, today we're going to be talking education. Um, we're going to talk about education at our local level, education at our state level, and some things that have happened at the national level lately. Um, these are all, you know, this all kind of ties into local news and, and stuff that's, that's happening in our current events. So uh, first we're going to talk local, and uh, we're going to talk about our own uh, Trustful City School System today and why I think, and Scott, you may agree or disagree, why the school system drives everything in a community like Trustful. Well, before we get into that, okay. you, you mentioned we're going to talk about education at the local, state, and uh -huh. national level. One of the interesting things we're going to get into is there's some really wide variety in the areas we're talking about mm -hmm. from a local, state, and national perspective. But what's uncanny are the common threads yeah. that kind of weave through all these different levels and why there is concern mm -hmm. uh, with public education in a lot of areas right now. Yeah. I, I think one of the reasons public education is important, we've seen it here in Trustful, Trustful City Schools, very good system. Uh, I, in my opinion, clearly top 15, top 20 in the state. Um, it has affected our property values in a very positive way. That's what I was getting And, at. and I, I think for most communities that, that's true. I think in Alabama, anytime you live in a good school district, you are going to benefit from your, your real estate value, your home value, tremendously. Because yeah. every system in Alabama is not a good system. That's true. So when you're fortunate enough to live in a community that has a good school system, uh, you benefit, just just a tremendous benefit. And for most of us, our home is our biggest investment. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, that makes sense. Um, doesn't mean I, that everybody's always happy all the time about everything. You're not going to have that. But uh, that's, I, that's why it's critical to our community but I also think even in communities across Alabama where maybe the schools don't perform as high as, as high, at as high a level as Trussell City Schools, uh, it's still important. Yes. Um, it's a gathering place. It's, you know, in, in Alabama, everybody turns out for Friday night football sure. still. In some of the most rural parts of our state. Uh, so it's still kind of the connectivity or the connecting point for people in a community. Well, it's, it's where your, your children shape their their future as not just as students and not just yeah. as people who are learning things. It's it's how they they become who they are in society. Right. It's like the initial stepping stone of, of who you become and, and how it shapes your personality sure. and how you behave around people and how you interact with everybody around you. you know, so. And in a lot of communities, maybe not just your kids. Maybe it's where you went to school. Maybe it's where your parents went to school. So it's, it's a generational sure. connection um, for, for a lot of communities in the state. But it's, it's important for, for a lot of reasons. Well, I think the most important reason is it's really the first time you belong to something right. as, as a kid. That's right. You know, you, you're, I mean, you, you're, you're a part of this school system and you go on and you go and you graduate from this high school. I mean, heck, I graduated from Andalusia High School in 1994, and I still pay attention to how they're doing in football. Sure. And how they're so absolutely. I mean, and you know, I have other than my parents living there, I don't have any affiliation with the town anymore. Other than it's just where I I played ball, and it's it's one of the and that's it's just one of the things that ties you. So. And you know, for a lot of people, it's it's the first 
people outside of your family that you trust with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, kindergarten or first grade, whatever the case may be. That that's for for a lot of families. That's the first time you let go of your little ones. Yeah. And and you trust them into somebody else's care all day. So, but you know, public schools, all schools, but but specifically public schools are are just important to every community. Yeah. Well, and so and it's also important for for those of you listening who. Um, who don't think they have a dog in this fight? Right. No, I don't have kids in the school system. Why should I have to pay the ad valorem tax, or you know, I don't want to pay this sales tax? Right. And I mean, what you just mentioned is it is important to you because I guarantee you, the people that voted against uh, raising that ad valorem tax a few years ago mm-hmm. here, um, they are reaping the benefits absolutely from what their what the school system has done to property right. values if you if you don't believe me just go look in the Cahaba project right now and see what prices are going for for those houses that were built in 1938 absolutely no matter if you voted yes or no you you've benefited if you're still here yeah. and you know th- there has been a housing boom we have seen mortgage rates go down very low and and all of that is part of it but it, the fact remains when when you live in a community that has good schools and low crime all of those other factors just enhance the situation, okay? Yeah. So the, the, the property values of Trustville grew even faster than other mm-hmm. parts of the state because of these things. Um, I also believe when we have a housing decline, and we know we will, yeah. as these things cycle and we know they're coming back, you're probably a little more insulated you than are. other communities about you know, property values not going up as fast, you're, you're probably in a little better shape in a community like this. So, you know, they, they are important and it is a good investment. Um, but public schools, not just in, not in Trustville, not in Alabama, not in the United States, in all areas, are also going through some challenges and struggles because kind of the way they have conditioned themselves over yeah. the years. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's a good segue into talking about uh, what's going on at the state level. Um, there were a couple things I, I noticed on Twitter last night that, that got you a little chapped. And I'm going <laughs> to let you talk about the Alabama state legislature and the literacy initiative and the Parents' Choice Bill. Well, um, let's, let's start with the Literacy Act because that's what they've actually voted on. Then we'll move over to the Parents' Choice, uh, which we may have talked about a little bit last week, um, two weeks ago. The Literacy Act was supposed to begin at the end of this current school year, and one of the caveats of it, and and probably the most important part of it, is if third graders are not reading at grade level by the end of third grade, the the Literacy Act requires that they be held back, get additional attention placed on them, additional instruction, um, whatever. And we've got a dog loose in the We studio. have a, a husky loose in the... Yeah, so, um, that's okay. The, uh, there was an attempt a year ago to delay the, the act. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, up front, AEA and the Association of School Boards, I'm sorry, the, um, the Superintendents Association, yeah. have fought this vehemently. They don't like it. They don't want it. They want it delayed. They, they actually want it to go away. But... Um, the uh, legislature voted last year to delay it a year, got to Governor Ivey's desk. She vetoed it, said, no, we'll wait till the data comes out. I was told then that was all a smokescreen. Ivey was happy to go ahead with the delay, but she wanted, to, for appearance's sake, she wanted to make it look like she actually cared about kids. Yeah. So here's what we know from experts. When, an edu- when a child reaches third grade, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, they're learning to read and they're 
accelerating their, their reading comprehension because beginning in fourth grade, they have to be able to read to learn. So you go from learning to read to reading to learn. And, and think about it. If you can't read instructions in your math, you, it makes math more difficult. You can't read your science book. Science is more difficult. History is more difficult before you even get to English. Okay, sure. So it is critical. And we know that kids who can't read on grade level by the end of third grade are far more likely to struggle and be dropouts. Mm-hmm. So that's why they centered on this. Why This is why it was so important. Now, Republicans, conservatives in general, really support education, supposedly. All right. Yeah. Alabama's got a super majority Republican in the House and the Senate. The Literacy Act by bill came up sponsored by uh, Senator Smitherman in the city of Birmingham, which, by the way, the city of Birmingham has the lowest ranking schools in the state of Alabama, which is the lowest ranking state in the United States of America. He was the one that wanted a three year delay. Yeah. They, they bargained it down to a two year delay. And the Democrats, along with 12 Rhino Republicans, including the president of the Alabama Senate, Greg Reed, and uh, the majority leader, I don't remember his name, that's how impressive he is, uh, all voted to delay it for two years. So they, they used every excuse under the book. Well, the pandemic. Okay, the pandemic affected the entire United States of America. That's not a reason to pass kids along that aren't prepared to move up. They're, they're setting these kids up to fail. Not to mention it wasn't. It was still a problem before the pandemic. Yeah, it, it, exactly. <laughs> so the excuses were incomprehensible. One of them was, well, the, te- the, the teachers in schools aren't prepared for this. Now, we're not talking uh, astrophysics here, okay? This is reading. You're this is the most basic academic class of all that, that they be able to read. Uh, so it's not like we needed to send teachers to special seminars with NASA to learn to teach kids to read. Yeah. If they're not prepared to teach kids to read, I think I know the problem here. Yeah. Um, so the, that's what you ended up with. You ended up with Democrats teaming with rhino Republicans who claim to be conservative, claim that they believe in school choice and all these things, but they, they really don't. Yeah. Um, so that is now has now been delayed for two years. So what I don't get is is how it's a it's a liberal conservative thing. It shouldn't be. I mean, because if a kid's not reading well at third grade, right, right, what benefit do you give the kid by passing them on through? And 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 I I mentioned this to you this morning. It's like they have decided by the time a kid's a third grader. Mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to be a productive right. member of society or not. And that's, right. that is completely unfair no. to the child. And, you know, you never know what, what underlying things could be out there. I mean, you know, I'm an optometrist. There could be a lot of vision problems that, right. that, that can cause a kid to have reading issues. You know, are are there things at home? Is it are, are, is the does the child have a, a learning disability that could be right. simply fixed? You know, so there. It just seems to me like, well, let's or let's, they, pa- let's they, pass them on through. Do so they simply need more work at school because they're not getting that support at home? Yeah. You know, the the fact is. If they can't read, they're behind the eight ball. Sure. So you're not doing them any favors. Sure. Uh, we know that. Ironically, and this will come as a surprise to absolutely no one. <laughs> now, let's understand what we're talking about here, okay? 23% of Alabama third graders right now today 
are not proficient in reading. One out of four, okay? And and the areas of the state where those numbers are highest are Democrat-controlled areas. So it is the Democrats who are the, who are the but they couldn't accomplish this against a supermajority Republicans, uh, Republican group without help from the Republicans, sure. and they got that. Yeah. So it's it's these areas. It, it makes no. We talked about the school choice last week, which allows parents to take about the same amount that the state is allocating per school for their per pupil for their student, and, and move to another school. Could be another public school district. Could be a private school. Well, the Republicans. Who, who supposedly believe in school choice, they're the ones who have basically tabled that. We don't know. There's some, there's some belief that it'll show back up this, in this session. Uh, most people think it's been buried till at least next year. Again, the Republicans who claim to be one thing teamed up with the Democrats to make this happen. So we've got a problem in Alabama that reflects, and we got, we got a little bit of this problem in Trustville, that reflects on a national problem we're seeing with public education, where we've seen it in Virginia, um, we've seen it in, I believe it was Tennessee, and now we're seeing it in San Francisco, of all places. Mm-hmm. Parents are rejecting public education that shuts them and their choices out of their kids' lives and their say-so for public education. And, and you're seeing citizens both now we're seeing it from liberal areas and conservative areas where they're they're revolting against yeah, public they're, they're education. They're revolting against status quo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. because when status quo is not working. Right. Um, and I and, and I was gonna ask this question. Does it frustrate you um, that you have a quote unquote supermajority in the Alabama legislature yeah. and yet every year the same old crap right. occurs. It, it does. And, and I'll tell you what really, really frustrates me is I'm 61 years old. So in my lifetime, I've seen the Democrats with the supermajority in Montgomery, and now I see the Republicans with the supermajority in Montgomery. Nothing changes. Nothing ever changes. It, it operates exactly the same way. You're still in the basement in education. You're yeah. still in the basement with overall health. And, and you've still got AEA pouring campaign dollars into, into yep. elected officials' campaign coffers yep. and buying elected officials. That's what's going on here. Yeah. Um, we mentioned, I think, before the Alabama Republican Party actually has a rule that their candidates are not to take money from AEA. That's been disregarded for years now. Yeah, that, that, because that came after the fight to take control away from the Democrats, sure. who AEA controlled and owned. Mm-hmm. Well, now AEA's bought the Republicans, so they're caving in. Yeah. And, and the people caught in the middle are the kids who have no say so, no control. Yeah. Um, but again, let's see what happens because state after state after state, we're seeing parents and grandparents. Just community members yeah. who are tired of this public education arrogance yeah. rising up and taking control away from the politicians and the bureaucrats, yeah. uh, and they're and they're controlling the situation. They're voting people out of office for this. Yeah, um, and that brings us to our next point. Uh, so I don't know if you saw or not. Uh, they had a school board recall. Um, of, of the school board members in San Francisco, which is obviously an elected school board there. Yeah. Um, and um, overwhelmingly, those folks got, several of those folks got voted out. Three to one margin. Um, 
So, so lest you think it's a conservative Virginia issue, it's not. San Francisco it, spoke up and said, uh-uh. Well, <laughs> and, you know, it, it goes to this, this whole woke culture, you know, you know, the, you know, politic, uh, overly political correct. Right, right. And, you know, this is a couple of things that they did. Um, they decided to change the name of high schools named after George Washington and Abraham Lincoln <laughs> and John Muir. And if you don't know who John Muir is, he's the guy who basically started national parks right. in the United States. He founded the Sierra Club. Um, and was was basically you know really for you know preserving our our national areas right. and our, our national resources. Um, they the reason that they and I don't know about Washington. I, I could assume that Washington was because Washington owned slaves, um, and I can assume Lincoln you know at first wasn't you know abolitiony enough, um, and and then with Muir their excuse was well. The national parks, he, you know, those those took lands away from Native Americans. Well, no, it didn't. The United States government already owned those lands yeah. because it had already taken them away from Native Americans, you know, 20 years before that. So, you know, so people didn't like that kind of stuff. Right. And then uh, the other thing in, in digging around about this that I saw that was just unbelievable to me was they had... Um, they had two really prestigious academic high schools in San Francisco that were merit-based. Yeah. So you had to make certain grades to get into those, those systems. And um, San Francisco has a really high Asian-American community, a really high population of Asian-Americans, who for years have used that, you know, that, those schools as their, their springboard for their right. children. You know, they, they tell their children to work hard, you know, get into these schools so you can get a good education. Well, um, the school board in San Francisco changed that to, uh, to a lottery system, basically. So if you made a certain grade, they put everybody in a pool, right. and um, they would draw out of the hat, and, and if you got in, you got in. Well, that angered people who were, who were working really hard to get their kids into this merit-based system. And... And their reasoning behind it was, well, we need more blacks and Latino students in these, in these areas. And I don't, I don't disagree with the fact that you should have more blacks and Latinos in these schools. But you can't do it as a lottery system and not pick the best people. Right. You know, you, that, that kind of thing just drives me nuts. Um, and, and then i got to read the quote because, uh, because of what the – the vice president of the school board said on Twitter. Um, her name was Allison Collins, and I don't know if she got recalled or not. It didn't say in the article. I, I'm guessing based on this, she probably did. <laughs> um, these are her tweets going back, uh, a series of tweets in 2016. Uh, and she says uh, in these tweets, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, many Asian Americans believe that they benefit from the quote-unquote model minority BS. In fact, many Asian Americans, teachers, students, and parents actively promote these myths. They use white supremacist thinking to assimilate and get ahead, quote unquote. Where are the vocal Asians speaking up against Trump? Don't know what Trump has to do with this, but that's a nice fallback. <laughs> um, you can always blame Trump for something. Um, do they think they would? Do they think they won't be deported, profiled, beaten? 
being a house inward is still being an inward. You're still considered the help. That's what she said yeah. on Twitter. That, which and, goes back to how we kind of opened this up, yeah. right? You, we're talking about very different parts of America here uh, with, with different political values, you know, just a, a totally a huge difference between Alabama and Virginia and San Francisco sure. and California. But the common thread here, yeah. okay, a couple of them. One is the super woke mentality. When you boil it all away, it is seeking and finding the lowest common denominator. It is. That's really what it's about. It's not about promoting excellence. It's about finding the lowest common denominator. So everybody kind of fails equally. Yeah. Okay, that's one common thread. The other common thread is in every one of these cases, you have school boards basically saying to the public, it ain't none of your business. Yeah. You know, you pay your taxes. You, you remit them. You send your check. We'll handle education. It's none of your business how we educate your kids. We're the experts here. And in every place that is happening, it is blowing up in the school district's face over and over and over. Which brings us to one of the things we got going on in Trussell right now. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not going to get too deep in the woods because we're going to see what happens with this. But there's been a, but we've, you sat on the city council. I did. Um, we have seen groups, parent, groups of parents come to school board meetings. Some of this spills over to council meetings. Yeah, a lot and, of it did. Yeah, it, it, it happens often. And the reason it would end up, First of all, why does why does a group of parents end up in front of a school board? Let's let's understand that is the last place those parents want to be. Sure, they they are not public speakers. They have no desire, but they've reached a point of frustration where they think, well, the only recourse we've got left is to go to the school board, and then they walk out of that meeting with no interaction with the school board, no interaction with the superintendent, and feel their voices haven't been heard. So then they show up at council meetings. The council and trust will at least talk to them, yeah. but those are two autonomous organizations. Mm -hmm. They can't really do anything about it yeah. except appoint a school board member once once a year. So that that leads to a frustration. You, you actually had the former governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, telling parents, how, you, how we educate your kids is of no concern of yours. Mm -hmm. You don't have any input here. That's basically what was happening in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. you, you don't, we're we're going to do this the way we think. We, you don't have any say-so in it. And what you're seeing are communities reminding school boards across the country, no, that school system belongs to us, not to you. You're temporary caretakers, yeah. um, and we're about to. If you don't get it, we're going to teach you that lesson. Yeah, and they're doing it. Yeah. Well, so, um, question to you: Do you th is this is this happening here? Our our desired school system say to parents, "Okay, um, not your concern." You know, the, the does does our city council in the way they pick school board members say? Not your concern. We got this. Uh, probably not in so many words, more through their actions than yeah. their actual words. Um, but, you know, let, let's go back to what we're looking at in the legislature this week. Yeah. Where we have a bill that gives parents the ultimate control over where their kids are getting educated. And we've got Republicans. Most of these cases, it's been Republicans leading the revolt. Mm -hmm. San Francisco, not so. Yeah. So, um, in, in Alabama, I think what we've got at the legislature, 
sometimes we see it in Trustful, sometimes we see it statewide, sometimes we see it nationwide. There's an arrogance with public education mm-hmm. that is starting to blow up in their face. Yeah. Um, and, and and this is probably for a good a good cause. Mm-hmm. Um, Educate public education wants to believe one size fits all. All nine-year-olds need to be here. All eight-year-olds there. All ten-year-olds over here, and that's we all know that's not the case. Yeah. But when you look at how public education functions, that's the easiest way for it to function. Moving everybody down the assembly line at the same time. When you start having to vary, it makes it makes the job a little harder. Sure. But if we're really serving the students then there are ways to offer different opportunity without it all falling on the public school system. So what is it really about to the public school system? Why are they really fighting against school choice? It's money. It's money. They don't want to give up the money. And when money takes priority over education and over the children, you've got a problem before you come out of the gate. And that's what's going on. Well, and, you know, there's there's always a push to – Fund schools more, give schools right. more money. Right. And I, I think a lot of people have reached the point where, well, are we throwing, is this good money after bad? Right. You know, um, you know we see, uh, you know, I, I would argue that there are systems in this state that no matter how much money you threw at them. We've seen it. You, you know. We've seen it. They still fail. Yeah. You know, Alabama's not the lowest funded system per pupil. It's actually 37th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um and every, every school system out there funding students less per pupil than Alabama is getting better outcomes in Alabama. Yeah. So yeah, money's part of it, no doubt about it, but money's not all of it. Here's the other thing. I pulled five, I pulled five private school tuitions randomly a week ago, different parts of Alabama. Uh, out the Black Belt, Tuscaloosa, Selma, Birmingham, pulled them the amount that the school choice bill would allow to move is more than enough for a year's tuition at any of these private schools. Hmm. So some of these private schools are getting better outcomes yeah. than the public systems are with less money. Yeah. So well, it's not all just about that. Well, I think it's. I, I think it goes to how you select people, how you, you know, a, a private school system is, is not going to have to worry about, I, I wouldn't imagine, unless that's written in their contract. But if they, if they have someone who's not performing well as a teacher, they can probably dump them. They can. They can. Um, and, less, and, much and, less bureaucracy. And, and in the public school system, there's no way to do that. Right. That's um, right. So, you know, there's, and that's, again, that goes back to your teacher's union, I suppose, that, that, that did that. And I'm, I'm yeah. you know, and I, I'm not against teachers' unions, first of all. My parents are both members of, of that teachers' union we're right. talking about. Um, but, but, you know, that that was created to protect the teacher, not the student. Correct. And and that's and it's done its job. It's yep. not, you can make it, a case it's done a superb job. Yep. You know, public education is important. Private education is important. Homeschooling is important. But they're not all important to the same kids, yeah. you know? And, and so we really... To be successful as a state, from an education standpoint, we need to use every resource available, public yeah. and private, um, and, and we need to put the kid first. If once you do that, if the kid really is your priority, these these doors kind of fall away. Yeah. Well, and to me, it's just people sitting in a room and saying, "All right, this is not working." Right. How do we fix right. this? That's right. the common sense approach, and unfortunately. 
There's not a lot of common to, sense in government. To um, see anything put on a shelf in Montgomery. Yeah. When you're, and and I, we keep saying we're 50th. That's not true. Maybe 48th. No, in, in math, we're 52nd because if we actually count Puerto, Puerto Rico, Rico. And, and D.C., unbelievably. I mean, I mean, unbelievably, we're 52nd out of 50 states. Um, so it's it's worse. We used to be able to say 48th, 49th. Thank yeah. God for Mississippi. Yeah, can't do Mississippi's that passed us. So yeah. the, the fact that this is put on a shelf in Montgomery when you are dead last yeah. in America, mm-hmm. I, how, do you, how do you take this Republican supermajority seriously when they're all going to be out running for office at the end of this year, by the way. Sure. Yeah. And they're all going to say that education is one of their priorities. Yeah. And at least half of them are going to be lying through their teeth when they see it. I actually put a list out of the rhinos in the Senate yesterday because <laughs> I, I just want to make it easier on voters to figure out who it is. Uh, and you, you'll love it. One of those rhinos, of course, he's not running for re-election. One of those rhinos is in our coverage area. Uh, McClendon. Yeah, Jim McClendon. Jim McClendon in Springville, Alabama. Fellow um, optometrist, although he's been retired a long time. Yeah, and I, I would just say to our to our readers and viewers in Springville, you know, when you say your prayers tonight, thank the good Lord that he that McClendon's retiring because <laughs> it is his it is his intention to destroy your kids public education future or education future, public or private, yeah. uh, you guys are getting rid of a dog with McClendon. Do better with the next one you pick. Yeah, well. Do better with the next one you pick. And, I, I, hey, a plug for Shea Shellnut, Senator Shellnut of Trustful. He actually voted against the delay. Let's give him credit on that. Um, we'll see what happens when it gets over to the House. Yeah, we'll see what. But uh, I, actually, I don't guess it'll go to the House now since it lost. Yeah, yeah. House is off the, off the hook on it. Yeah. Well, that's lucky for them. Well, so. they're supposed to. I, I'm hesitant because there is supposed to be a twin bill coming through the House. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. If it gets passed, then it would come to the Senate. Well, and the House is going to have the luxury of waiting to see what the backlash is going to be from people like you, who are going to say, "There's no, you know, we're this is garbage." And, well, and I, they can look at that and say, "Okay, well, we're going to vote this down," and that's that. I, I don't know. I, I think Alabama, the public, the citizens. I don't think we're quite to the Virginia level, quite yeah. to the San Francisco, but I, I, I see it getting there. Yeah, it will. And, and it, decisions like this, and this is what this is what elected officials don't get until it's too late. Situations like this are exactly what moves that uh, yeah. momentum forward, and, and we'll bring the education revolt to Alabama probably sooner rather than later. It's coming. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to stop there because we've been going about 30 minutes and Scott doesn't think that people will. (laughs) I don't think we're that dang interesting, just to be honest. Yeah, we're not. We're definitely not interesting. But, um, well, if you like the show, tune in next week. We'll be back to talk about some more topics. He's Scott. I'm Zach. So long, everybody.